Hi, this is Sean. And I'm Liv. And welcome to Case Closed? Question mark. How's it going, everybody? Hi, humans. Welcome back. Uh, we had a little bit of a holiday break there, mm -hmm. um, and, by bit, and by a little bit, and by a little bit, it was a long one. Yeah, uh, a lot going on, guys. Yeah, uh, we really wanted to um, kind of get back with a case that we could um, get a little more research done before we just kind of jumped in. We've been both busy, and I've been working, and she's been working. We've just been both tired, so but we're back, and um, we are back with a case that is a very very interesting one. It's very Christmassy for sure. Yeah. But unfortunately, there's not a whole lot about it. Right. Yeah. It's definitely going to be a, a short episode today, folks. Mm -hmm. but, Which is uh, perfect for me, especially when we edit because yeah. your girl's tired. Right. Yeah. Um, it makes it easier for her editing. When it's me editing, it takes forever no matter how long the episode <laughs> is. Like, it could be like a 10-minute episode. You a good job, though, honey. Yeah. It could be a 10-minute episode, though, and I'll edit it in like an hour and a half. Um, so, um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, before we get to that, um, thank you. Uh, we have hit, um, and surpassed the 500 mark and we mm -hmm. are now trending to, uh, you know, I'll look it up. hopefully I'll look. I think we should be getting close to about 530 or more. 526. 526. Okay. Nice and presumptuous. But yeah. I mean, hey, but, uh, we're excited. So thank you guys. I know we thank you every time, but it's just, honestly, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really, it's really touching for us because this is just something we would do for fun because the two of us... We're together because coronavirus. Right, yeah. And, you know, it's just something that both of us love, so it, it, it's it's easy to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, with that, we will get right into uh, today's case. So this is taking it back to December 4th, 1997, mm -hmm. uh, the year that my lovely wife uh, was born. Um, I and I was uh, 11 months old. five years old already. Yikes. The best ones are when I'm in high school or when I'm in middle school and you're in high school or yeah. elementary school. The one where, yes, when you were 13 yes. um, and I was graduating high school. Yes, yes. Yes. That's, those are my favorite. Yeah, I turned 13 in eighth grade because my birthday's in January. Fun fact, guys. Yes. I'm an Aquarius. Yes. And um, so, yeah, I... Uh, when she was turning 13 in January of I was so cute, what guys. Year? I, it, what, 13 in what year? Yeah. That was a bad question. 2010, right? Yeah. Short January math. 2010, <laughs> I was um, a few short months away from graduating high school. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, I was wearing uh, fedoras. Mm -hmm. I had a black one, a white one, and a pink one, which were the colors of my dance studio. And I had the sparkle... Um, scarves that were so cool. Yeah. Uh, je the jean skirts and leggings that everybody wore. The braces and glasses to top it off too, guys. The turtlenecks. I sported a turtleneck pretty much every day that it was cold. People made fun of me, but I was like, but I'm warm! <laughs> and no matter how many times she tells me this story, I always get hung up on the fedora part. I loved them. They're um, my hats. It was so <laughs> every time I think of fedora, I just think of a really like nerdy dude just going, "Milady." Um, so uh, that I definitely knew a few of those guys in high school. Listen, I love my hats. 
I mean, I have a hat now that I wear. Yeah, oh, no, and it's, it's a really a cute... Outfit. I'm not saying that your fedoras weren't cute on you, because they were, <laughs> um, but your hat now is even cuter. Guys, we were going through pictures for the wedding, Yeah. and the ones that we... First of all, my grandmother, whom I loved so dearly, put a picture of my sister on our wall. Um, yes. We had a wall of, like, pictures of us growing up. Yeah. And I just put a picture of my, my little sweet little baby sister. And was just convinced that it was her. And even after <laughs> even after Liv told her grandmother, that's it's my sister, she mm-hmm. still kept it up there. But there was one picture, because in all of my pictures, you know, as a kid, you always had that one signature pose. Or especially girls did, I feel like. Me and my mm-hmm. sisters all had our own, my cousins, everybody had their own signature pose. Mine, right. you guys, I would stand with my hip out. With my arm on top of my head, with like my right arm touching my left ear, I said, "I'm like." She was basically doing a standing version of what Kate Winslet was doing in um, Titanic. Basically, that's basically it. Basically, in Um, every single photo, and then we played Guess My Age. (laughs) Yes, and that was creepy. It was fun though. For sure, yeah. And then there was me at that at the age of thirteen, was just like. How much of a douchebag can you look like when you're standing there with my uh, frosted tips? Mm. So, uh, mm. yeah, I know. Thanks, Backstreet Boys. Growing up with a sister who was five years older than me, I grew up with a lot of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, so um, that was why I thought that that hairstyle was cool. Also, I used to think that I was a good skateboarder when I wasn't. Um, so, But that's, that's right. on another... That's another thing and another podcast entirely. <laughs> um, but uh, let's get back to this. Yep. So December 4th, 1997. Jerry Scott Heidler. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is something that like you'll agree with me on when it comes to killers. If they have three names. We're going to call him Scotty because that's what the kids do. Yeah. But when he has three names, they're usually the craziest of them. I have three names. You have three But you're names. not a killer. But I'm just saying, but who doesn't go, have a middle name? That's a no, bad, that's but, a bad. No, no, because nobody, listen, listen, if you think John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> what they go about on his, right, I put like, his full name only because. But everything, everything else like call, goes by his full name. Like, everybody goes by Jerry or Scotty. Yeah, but still, I think, <laughs> I feel like. He didn't specifically go by Jerry Scott. Yeah. When he, he went by Scotty. Okay. And it wasn't until, like, this stuff started coming out. I get what you're saying. Yes, John Wayne Gacy, whatever. But then he also got the other hand of, like, Ted Bundy. Yeah. You know, like... Ted Bundy was charming. He wasn't crazy. And, he, what? Like, <laughs> like... Of the people like, you put on the crazy skill. You're like, leaving out Ted Bundy? I'm not saying, like, he wasn't, like... I'm thinking on the standard of if you look at, like... If you look at, like, the... Ted the, Bundy the, was a narcissistic... Yeah. He was narcissistic, yes. That doesn't make him crazy, though. Mm -hmm. I know some narcissistic people that are totally sane people. Well, uh, you probably don't know diagnosed narcissistic people. Okay, and this is the thing with the word crazy. I know in the mental health world, because I love psychology, and that's one thing I'm intending to do one day is some type of psychology or something. I'm using that term very loosely and only about serial killers. Yeah. Um, and like super mean, awful people. I right. know that people with disabilities and disorders such as this are not crazy. Right. Ted Bundy's effing crazy. <laughs> okay. That's not, <laughs> I think we can ag- agree to disagree if we don't like that word, but. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like anytime I read about it, like a killer. And they use and they initially in, like like basically introduce you to him with three names like that. I automatically just think 
Uh, this dude's nuts. All right, well. I'm just saying, like, like. I, I mean. I don't know I what it is. I get what you're saying, but yeah. I don't have to agree. Okay, continue. You've gotten one sentence into this. <laughs> I know. So, um, Jerry Scott Heidler entered the home of Danny and Kim Daniels, mm-hmm. killing them and the two children while they slept. Their two children were Jessica and Bryant. Right. Jessica was 16 at the time. Bryant was 8. Mm-hmm. He then kidnapped uh, two other Daniels girls. Um, yeah, they had two other little girls. Right. And a foster girl that had been uh, in the Daniels' care uh, for, uh, for some time. And he sexually assaulted the 10-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Left in the home were the foster girl's two brothers, 10 months and five years. Yep, they were found huddled in the closet. Yeah. Um, this was the, the, the Bryants, or sorry, the Daniels were, um, had a, were foster home. Yeah, and um, we'll get into them. And we'll get into them more. So um, that's just a kind of a little, if there's any confusion there. Um, so he was known uh, to the family as Scott Taylor. Jerry was born on June 9th, 1977. So at the time of the murders, Jerry was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, he was uh, four, he was placed into foster care after going undergoing open heart surgery. Um Basically, what had happened was he grew up in a home where his mother really neglected him. Um, and he was placed into foster care um, so that he would get more attention after the surgery. Um, and he had actually been placed in two different uh, foster homes um, after that surgery. Sylvia Boatwright, who was um, one of his foster mothers when he was um, 11 years old, basically said that Scotty was, this was a quote from her, Scotty was also afraid of the dark. He was afraid a knife would come through the ceiling and cut him. It's very specific. I always, I found that kind of, kind of like a weird fear. Every kid's afraid of the dark. Um, And I mean, at 11, you'll get in, you'll understand a little bit more later. And I guess I can kind of touch on it now. At one point during the trial, they do mention that at some point, they didn't really go into specifics. Mm -hmm. At some point, he got an altercation with his stepdad that involved a knife. So, could it have been as a child? Maybe. I think it was written as a teenager. That doesn't, you know, given what we know, he was... Also, you got to think about, okay, he went under the knife at four. How many times did he hear that sentence? Yeah. That's not not a new term. Yeah. I, I'm not shocked that that's something that he would be scared of, even at 11. You yeah. Know, that's something, uh, under, you know, to undergo under undergo open heart surgery is insane. Yeah. So, and traumatic. Right. Especially for a four-year-old. And he's old enough to remember at four some of the stuff. That's so. true. A lot of other people, though, really recalled um, the fact that uh, he had an imaginary friend, Mouse, that he would um, that he would carry in his hand. Um, and Which, you, you want to touch on yeah, that? So about imaginary friends are extremely normal. It's actually, a, there, there's conflicting reports because some people are like, well, it doesn't really show higher IQ. It, some studies do point to a higher IQ. It's, it's very, very, very normal. But they say 65% of people have an imaginary friend. 
depending on the age in which he got this imaginary friend, says a lot about his social ability. Mm-hmm. Um, the like the majority of people who have an imaginary friend are only children or firstborns because they don't have a lot of peers to play with. Um, I mean, when they're in daycare and stuff, they do, but you know, when they go home, they don't have somebody else to particularly play with. So what happens is they create this peer in their brain yeah. that fills that void of friendship. And um, Professor Gallo, who was my prof- professor in college, I love her, but she w- was talking about imaginary friends. And mm-hmm. she said to be able to have those conversations back and forth with an imaginary friend takes so much skill because you've got to think about what you're saying, what they're saying, how to right. interact the conversation back and forth, getting in arguments back and forth, and what did this one say, and what did this one tell you to do. It's actually a lot and very complicated to do, yeah. um, but it helps with build social ability. It mm. helps children work through different social situations without having to have an actual person there. So it, it's very normal. This gets brought up, you know, especially in trial about he's crazy he had an imaginary friend what makes it odd is that it's an animal and not a person yeah um, it does happen i remember i had an imaginary friend named ducky um it was a duck but i also had other magic imaginary friends named jessica and you know whatever right. everybody you know i feel like had an imaginary friend yeah no i definitely think i did and i i think like well you always heard the you always heard the statement like there's nothing wrong with talking to yourself it's when you start answering yourself that it becomes well, a problem, but I don't like that. Because I, it's not but true. I, but like at the same time, like I definitely like. I think this is something that any guy out there who grew up playing sports would understand. Um, that you would pretend like you were like a like a major league star, and like you would like in your head think about what you would say if you were doing like a mock interview. Yeah, that's like, different than an imaginary friend. That, yeah, that, that, that's that's true. role playing. So, like, an imaginary friend, the reason it's different is that you have this one, usually it's one, sometimes you have multiple. This isn't me, like, being like, I'm so great. I had multiple, but when we're talking about it in class, she's like, most people only have one because right. they can't keep up with multiple conversations. You know, my father, he talks very fast. So, yeah. the reason I was able to have multiple you know, imaginary friends, or why other people do is because either they hear something, somebody talk really fast, they got to keep up with what's going on, they've got a lot of different areas that they're getting that input. So for him to have, you know, an imaginary friend that's a mouse, um, probably means he didn't have a lot of people talking to him. Yeah. Um, and he's not able to create those conversations to have an imaginary friend. And right. the friend would follow him around anywhere. So he still had that comfort of this is feeling that need for sociability, but it's not having to do with conversations and it's not having yeah. to really deal with back and forth this math is doing. But one thing we'll see later is he has a thing to do with um, he steals. Yeah. Um, and he steals quite often. So I wonder, just kind of looking at this, I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, I'm not whatever, I just do a lot of research. My my guess is that his mouse probably, he used that as an excuse. Well, the mouse told me to take that. Right. The mouse told me to do it. And because he's a child and, you know, imaginary friends are common, it wasn't really thought about as something wrong. And it still isn't wrong. It's just he knew at a young age that by having this friend, he would he could get his brain put it together. That he right. could do what he needed to do with that. So, right. Like it was he could use that as a way to manipulate. Right. Yeah. So right. which is obviously like a like an early indicator of, of somebody who's gonna right. have like psychopathic tendencies or, you know, be like that. 
Because, like you said... Well, he's not def- a psychopath. We'll get into what, what he does have later. Right, yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, like you said, it's normal for somebody to have an imaginary friend. Like, I definitely... I don't know if I did specifically. Because he's just, just one. Right. You know, and it would be that one person that follows you around right. and, yeah. you know. But I definitely think, like, being imaginative in your head or, like, like that is just something any normal kid's going to do. Yeah. Well, you I know? guess you think about it, too, like, just kind of, this will be the last thing I say about imaginary friends. But um, if you want, and uh, usually it's in creepy movies, so just take it with a grain of salt. But the kid who sits there and has a tea party with herself or with, yeah. her, with her teddy bears and they all have a name. Yeah. Um, imaginary friends can be like that. Right. Um, where it's not necessarily... It just completely imaginary. Right, they like could put a teddy bear see. there. Yeah. Right, it could be that they use that teddy bear to have right. a tea party or whatever. Most commonly, the imaginary side of it is they still have a tea party, but nothing sitting there's an empty chair. Right, and that's fine. That's normal. That's you know he, they're still interacting and trying to go through these social situations where they're trying to figure it out. It just that's typically what you think about is they're playing with their friend, not their pet. Yeah. So that's where I leave that. Yeah. Um, so, so like we said, um, uh, we're going to refer to him as Scotty from Mm -hmm. now on. Um, once Scotty, um, he had been in and out of like in a couple of foster homes there. And then eventually he did end up back, um, living with his mother. Mm -hmm. Um, and when she, when he got back, uh, living with his mother, he was placed into, um, basically a school for children with learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, like we don't really know much more about that. Yeah, exactly. That we basically just kind of said was like a special school. No, we don't know anything about that. Um, but uh, apparently his teachers would report um, a lot of self-harm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main things that he would do was that he would pick at his skin till it bled. Right. Um, and then um, he just obviously was had a lot of things going on. And um, during uh, during the trial, it was mentioned... back to the teen years. Right. It mentioned that during his teen years... Um, he was in an altercation with his stepfather, um, that, you know, included a knife, but it, it's apparently, it's real fuzzy. There's not many, uh, details about it. We could just assume it. that he did not have a great childhood. Right. It also isn't very clear about when he went back to his mom. We know that he was with a, with a stepmom when he was 11. Right. Uh, or I'm sorry, a foster, foster mom, mom. yeah. And then goes back to his mom. So we don't really know at what age he was put into this school for, uh, disabilities, learning disabilities. Right. Um, and I would... Not knowing much more about him, I would almost argue that that was probably not the best thing for him um, because he was already alienated. He was already the different right. kid. Um, and we find out, I don't think I put it in here um, because I didn't think about it until just now, but, you know, they did later on test his IQ and it was on the lower normal, which yeah. would not necessarily qualify for a learning disability, um, like school. <laughs> right. Um, Again, we don't know, and there's not a whole lot about this case to kind of dive into him um, and his early life to be able to go into it more, but um, I think his mom was really struggling to, he had other siblings, he had a little sister, and he had a brother, Um, I think she was really struggling, and she thought this was what was best for him, but I almost wonder as a bystander and after the fact is, if he had been in a nor- quote-unquote normal school right. or a mainstream school, would he have made better friends and done right. different things? Because he's school, being singled out for... And I think yeah. he was much more cunning than what they gave him credit yeah. for, which doesn't mean he doesn't have learning disabilities. I I work with kids with special needs, so I'm not trying to discredit that. I right. am just saying, though, that just because there are special needs or learning disabilities there doesn't mean that 
being singled out um, is right for everybody. Right. There are kids who definitely need that, and that's where they thrive and they do the best. But there are kids who are kind of are borderline on that, where if they had went to a mainstream school, may have succeeded far better than going to a school where they were, you know, treated differently right. than they would have at a normal school. Like, like you know? that, that being treated different, like that might have fueled the issues that would later anger. on, yeah, would later on, you know, turn into what he did. Right. Um, you know, I definitely think for me, um, I grew up, I grew up in, in, um, special education, like, uh, for literally, um, from elementary school through high school. Um, but I didn't go to like a special school. I still stayed in a normal school right. because yeah, I mean, I was a little slow with certain things, but like, I still was yeah, able but... to like, I was able to socialize with right. people and able to go you know, have friends that, you know, became and lifelong you friends. Been frustrated exactly. if you were in a different class. Oh, yeah. That was I not... was, I, I was, until, up until high school, I was in mostly all smaller mm-hmm. classes. And then in high school, I transitioned into larger classes except for, like, one or two subjects. Yeah. And when I did, I, 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 I like, my really social better. skills, yeah. like, went through the roof. Right. Like, up until then, I really only would have, like, a couple friends that right. I would really talk to. And this is, like, the 70s and 80s. Right. So, you got to remember, too, this is not the best time for schools. And, yeah. Um, also, know. there's a, there, there was a lot more stigma about learning, like, about about going to right. special schools like right. that. And, and, like you know, when we start, I'll, I'll, I don't want to go into his diagnosis yet just because I'm really, I'm really excited for my little spiel about yeah. that. But um, you've, you've got to remember, you know, mental health was not quote-unquote, a thing yeah. in the, you know, the 70s, 80s, early 90s, right. um, even late 90s. And even especially now, for, Even now it's really hard, right. you know, but especially with, the, you know, children in foster care, right. they're not given the tools needed to kind of succeed. And I'm not trying to make excuses for him. No, yeah, At all, not. what he did was inexcusable, and I think he knew better. And right. that's why I will say what I say about him. But yeah. I do think this goes back to nature versus nurture thing. If he had went to a different school, if he had stayed in foster care with the mom who took care of him, if he, you know, if he had done things a little differently, would he have ended up at the end? I don't know. He could could have. He very well could have. But But we definitely, as we get into this, you'll start to see that once he went back to his his mother, that's when things started. Yes. So, um, um, so he, um, in 10th grade, um, Scotty ended up uh, dropping out of high school. Mm. Um... He's laughing at my notes because yeah. I like to throw random things in there that'll make. She them asked laugh. me. She asked me before. She's like, "Do you want me to write these notes like you would read them, or write them like I would with funny sayings and like making fun?" And I'm like, "Write them as you are," because I I just love seeing them. And this, I'm gonna start picking on him now from the certain things mm-hmm. uh, because when you find out how awful his crimes are, like, yeah, which we touched on it in the beginning, but just yeah. um, keep in mind that he's not a great human. Right. Um, Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. Read it. Go he ahead. Uh, he never worked um, because uh, he's a baby uh, who couldn't be bothered. Exactly. He had the ability to. Uh, yeah. Um, and he didn't own a car, of course. Um, and, uh, that, the, says duh, that says duh. That says duh. But, uh, you know. Uh, the only money he ever had was mooched off of other people. Yes. I know a couple people like that. No, me too. Um he was never arrested, surprisingly, for any violent crimes at, mm-hmm. um, up until that point, um, although he did um, steal a four-wheeler yep. uh, from a garage and uh, burglarized Taylor's treasures. Yep. 
Um, sounds like a fun place. Right. Um, I meant to look up what it was, but if you know, just let me know. Um, I don't think it's open anymore, so yeah. I couldn't really. He um, and then at the time he was also facing uh, felony counts in Alma, Georgia, mm-hmm. which um, was not that far from uh, where the current right. where the murders it's took place. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he had been recently put in uh, probation in Tombs and Bacon County for driving while intoxicated. Yep. Um, and I will touch on the fact that multiple people would say he would go to job interviews and nobody would hire him because he didn't have the work ethic. They, they would like they would tell him in the interview, I don't trust you to come to work. So no, you're not getting this job. Yeah. It wasn't that he was incapable of it. People just didn't want to hire him because they knew better pretty much. Right. Um, so it was um, around this point though in his late teens where he met a woman mm-hmm. named Marie Spivey. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I'm not sure how to say that. Um, and uh, they had a child together. Yes. And it's kind of unclear when they met, too, because um, they, nobody could keep their story straight. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, that he found found somebody that was, uh, you know, willing to uh, have a child with him. Well, continue reading it, you'll. She was later actually married to uh, a man who gave her. The last name, Spivey, Spivey, whatever it had. Spivey. It is Spiv- spelled Spivey. I'm pretty sure that's Spivey. It's Spivey when you read it as a name. It's Spivey if you read it as a word. If you pronounce it, like, you pronounce it correctly, it's Spivey. Is it really? I promise. I didn't, I don't know it as any other thing other than a last name. As Spivey. I've, I've heard, I've actually heard it pronounced the other Spivey? way. Yeah, I have, yeah. All right, well, if you guys want to correct us, go right ahead. But I have a feeling that Marie doesn't give a shiitake sh- about what we say. So, That's true. continue. Um, sh- uh, so, she got her name from the this man that she later married. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, three months into that marriage, she was already seeking a divorce. Mm-hmm. That's why she rekindled her flame with the poor old Scotty boy. Yeah. Uh, so, she, um, she became pregnant. Mm-hmm. Again, although they're um, basically at this point, the no one's really certain who the father of this baby was, right. whether it was her husband or Scotty. On December 3rd, uh, which was the day before the murders took place, um, there was a funeral held uh, for her baby that ended up uh, being stillborn. Which is the last we'll say about that because, surprise, guys, I'm pregnant and well, we're due in June. Um, so if you stuck it out this long, surprise! And no more talks about child awfulness. That, yeah. that, I can't handle it right now. That's <laughs> part of the reason why we took such a long break because... I'm tired all uh, the time. Yes. All the time. And I can't sit for very long because round ligaments are a real thing. If you guys haven't had a kid, don't. <laughs> I um, love the show. She's child. already decided that I'm going to have the next one. No, I'm not doing this. Um, so, uh, I'd yeah. love to see you pull it off. Yes. But. but surprise, guys, we're pregnant. Um, so, uh, yeah. But like <laughs> we said, we're uh, going to try not to talk about that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'll just be a blubbering fool. Yes. Um, so, uh, in the week leading up to the funeral, um, apparently, Scotty mm-hmm. is a fan of poetry. And he's a real uh, Walt Whitman here. Um, uh, there was 
there was the way that it was like, okay, I can only find one article that talked about the poem. I, could, I wish to God that I could find this poem. Oh, if it was, if it was, if we could find this, I would love to read this. Because for Marie to still kind of be like, I just thought, I mean, it was because of his heart and his lungs. Like, I, I just thought he was being like, you know, I thought he, th- I thought he was dying. I, uh, I didn't know what was going on. Right. I, like I apparently, she, she found it like really ominous, right? But for her to still say it's creepy after the fact that she was, you know, she, I mean, because she kind of stood by him. Yeah. And like he wouldn't do that. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, but I want to find this letter. But but apparently she she found it a real like it was a really ominous poem and that it she thought it really was about his wavering health, mm-hmm. you know, attached to like the stuff that he had as a kid and all that, um, but. Even though she found it ominous, apparently she asked him to... Uh, no, he asked her to read it every night for a week. And oh, she did yeah. it. Yeah. She did it. Yeah. This is the week of the baby's death, like of knowing that the baby was stillborn. Yeah. And... Okay. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. So, um, now we get to... We're going to get into a little bit more about what happened. Yeah. So, um... His sister, Scotty's sister, was actually placed um, in the Daniels' home um, for a temporary, for temporarily for about forty-five days in nineteen ninety-five, two years before mm-hmm. uh, the murder. So uh, this was when Scotty first started frequenting the Daniels' home. Yep. And uh, Kim, you know, the mother had a soft spot for for Scotty, and that was because. Um, just like Scotty, she had struggled early on in her life, in her teen years, um, with addiction. She, you know, it, it, she. They, I read about it, how, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more yeah. uh, later on. But, you know, it had to do with how, you know, her husband helped her out of it. To her, yeah. Um, but, um, and then uh, Jessica, uh, the Daniel's uh, daughter, uh, at the time when Scotty started first showing up there, was about 14 or 15. Right. And... Apparently, um, she was being teased. Yeah, like her friends would tease her when they come over about how much Scotty liked her. Right. You know, and this and man... she was like, no, like, you know, he's, he's so much older. And, like, she right. didn't really see it as a thing when she was 14 and 15. Like, that wasn't, right. you know, he would have been 18, 19. Right. And, you know, that wasn't something she was thinking about. But, yeah, her friends did tease her for sure about Scotty likes you. Right. And, you know, she, you know, but uh, apparently, though... She took the, 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 that to heart. And at the age of 16, um, her and Scott um, began actually a romantic relationship. Yeah. I mean, so they eventually did. She was a little, you know, At she the was time, 16. she was 16 and he was 20, which, I mean, if you really look at it, it happens, uh, but it's still creepy. Um, well, when you find out what happens. Right, because... exactly. Um, and, um, and, I mean, it is a big difference. I know we have a, di- you know, a big age difference, but I was 23 when we met. Like, it's yes. not the same as being 16. And um, 16 and 20 is a very different, you know, mindset, maturity level. She's still in high school. He's older. And right, yeah. Should have graduated by then. Should have been in college. You know, like, that's the allure I understand, but very different mindset. And at this point, he had a child. Yeah, exactly. He had, he had a two-year-old. Yeah. He had a child and, you know, all that. Um, so after the relationship began, um, the Daniels found out, and um, her dad, uh, Danny, mm-hmm. uh, had a conversation with Scotty about it. And a lot of 
people kind of pointed this conversation as what they think sparked his yeah his, his anger. anger and what led to the eventual murder spree. Right. So um, at the time of their death, um, Danny and Kim actually had only been married for about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so not very long. Um, and uh, Kim, she had a lot of, you know, a lot of, like, tragedy in her life. Oh, yeah. Um, at the age of uh, three, she witnessed her father being murdered in front of her. Mm-hmm. Which is what got her placed in foster care. Exactly, yeah. So Kim ended up in the foster care system at that time. And um, as a teenager, she struggled with drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she, though, she had three kids, um, uh, Amber, Brooke, and Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time... Um, Brooke and Bryant, I believe, were twins. Yeah. Um, and at the time of, uh, meeting, uh, Danny, um, they were actually, uh, in the custody of the state and she was, because she was living out of her car. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't have a place, you know, to hold them. So that they were wards of the state. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so she actually, um, met Danny, um, and Danny was, um, a Sunday school teacher, mm-hmm. um, and a mailman. And, uh, after, you know. Basically, once they met, about a year later, they decided to get married. And uh, Danny actually helped uh, Kim regain custody of their of her children, and uh, Danny adopted them. Yeah. And then uh, Jessica was his daughter from a previous marriage. Right. So at so if we're keeping count here, we've got four children. Four children. Now we're gonna go back more into like you know, uh, his kind of leading up to it and things like that uh, with Scotty. Um, so actually, the funeral uh, which he had attended the Saturday before the funerals was for a child that may not have, like we said, would may not have been his. Mm-hmm. Um, he claims that um, he claims to have fathered the child without ever meeting the mother. Right. So he says he's never met Marie, but they have a kid together right. already. Which is um, obviously, I mean, at this point, we know how crazy, you know, how how weird he is, but mm-hmm. the fact that you know. He knows Marie, and he's just yeah. saying like, "Oh, like no, I don't know her." And being weird, I don't. Right. I don't really like that word, only because like by calling him weird, like I don't know. I just when we find out what he has later, and I'll explain it. I'll explain why that that. Right. And I'm sure he got called that. I know he got called that a lot. It's in a lot of things, but yeah. um, I think a lot of it had to do with attention. Yeah. Oh, for and sure. And less to do with yeah. just being like socially awkward or you know, whatever. But um, yeah. No, I they they the the Daniels were happy and he was not. Um, right. That's kind of what it comes down to. He was not okay with them being happy. Yeah. Because yeah, he, well, I mean, and another thing that Marie says a lot is, um, or pretty consistently at least, is that he loves kids. And he had just actually gotten a job as a, a male nanny with some mm. kids. And they were like, well, he loves kids. And, like, I traded him watching the kids for a room and, like, you know, whatever. Like, he was staying with somebody um, and he was watching the kids, to, you know, to be able to stay there. Everybody says he loved kids. So yeah. when you find out what happens later, it's like, It definitely contradicts that, that theory, yeah. yeah. So after the funeral, um, he actually went to a friend's house and he uh, played pool and had two beers. Mm-hmm. Man's a lightweight. 
And then uh, he left the friend's house, though, because they started to talk about, you know, the baby and the stillborn mm-hmm. funeral. And uh, he, didn't it. he couldn't handle it. And it was at that point he uh, stole a van mm-hmm. and drove the van to the Daniels' home. So at this point, we're going to get into what happened mm-hmm. the night of. Yep. Um, and I will warn you, there is one... Yeah, it's, it's gruesome. Just Yeah, and there is an instance of talking about sexual assault. Yeah, with a child. With a child. So I would just, if, if I were you, if you don't like that, just scroll ahead a little bit. Um, but, so, um, the way he gained entry into the house was by climbing through a bathroom window. Mm-hmm. And um, as my lovely wife says, the dummy left not only uh, fingerprints. Yeah. On the, you know, window sill, but he also left a nasty cigarette butt on the floor with his DNA on it. Because mm-hmm. nothing says brilliance. Brilliance. Like, let me strike up a cigarette while I'm murdering these people. It's a great idea. Well, nobody, nobody's ever accused him of being the yes. brightest light bulb in the Yeah, the for sure. So, um... His first kill was uh, Bryant, who was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was still in his bed holding his teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Jessica, 16 at the time, was next. And uh, from based on where she was found, which was in the door frame of the master bedroom, they assumed that she was running towards her parents' room. Mm-hmm. And she was shot in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, the parents quickly after that were shot in their bed. This was all done, by the way, by a Remington uh, shotgun. Yeah, he um, he actually recalls later that he remembers feeling it hurt and having to reload. Yeah, yeah. So the at the the Remington and this shotgun. This was Danny's shotgun. Right. This was Danny. This was Danny's shotgun, and it had been stolen out of Danny's safe. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, as most of you probably know, uh, shotguns usually only hold six rounds, mm-hmm. um, and he there were seven casings found on the floor, and uh, so that means he had to uh, reload at least once. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, you know, he remembered that he was, you know, had to reload because his his shoulder was hurting him and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So after killing the Daniels and their two children. He then kidnapped the uh, two surviving uh, daughters. And one of the girls um, that they were fostering. Then there were two other boys that were being fostered that they found in the home. They were cowering in the the closet. So the girls that he um, ended up kidnapping were 10, 8, and 9, respectively. And uh, he drove them 30 miles south from the home. Uh, to, and some of them say 50 miles. Right, yeah, it's it's a little inconsistent, but um, to a county called Bacon County. Mm-hmm. And he sexually assaulted uh, the 10-year-old. Yes. And the 8-year-old witnessed it. Yes. When, where they were dropped off was near a lake, a right. pond or whatever. The girls were saying, Scotty, I'm scared. Scotty, I'm scared. What are you doing with the gun? Scotty, please, I'm scared. And uh-huh. get rid of the gun. So he, that's why he tossed the gun. It wasn't on the way anywhere. Oh, he okay. was already there. I thought, I got confused. I thought it was in there on their way, no. when he was on his way to, like, when he, no. before he, he dropped off no. the girls. But uh, after that, he left the girls on the side of the road, 
just three children, 10, 8, 9, a on the side of the road. Them. And a farmer and his wife found them uh, after his dogs were started barking mm-hmm. um, and woke them up. So uh, after that, Scotty uh, decided to uh, go back to uh, Mommy Dearest. And uh, he played video games with his brother. Mm-hmm. And while he's playing video games with his brother, he asked his brother, have you ever killed anyone? To which his brother responded, no. And that's when Scotty said, gives you a rush, makes you want to kill again. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. Skizzy the creeps. Which luckily pretty much immediately when the farmers called the cops, um, yeah. the... They, were, they said it was Scotty. It was Scotty, and they were able to identify him very, very quickly, so he didn't get very far. Right. Um, and they found him underneath his mommy's house, like yeah. the rodent that he is. Yeah. Um, because poor pitiful him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he just... Uh, yeah, he's awful. And, um, yeah, he's awful. Yeah, and one of the more interesting ones that uh, he... After literally basically confessing to his brother that he killed somebody. He never tried to hide it. That's the right. thing is, like, even when he but, got to, you know, when he was arrested, he never really denied it. Right. But he also says that he later claims that he remembers the killings as a dream. Right. So, like, here's the thing. is He tries to claim insanity. This is why right. I can't stand him, even when I go into his actual diagnosis. I have Because no he's knowing. Saying, he knows what he's doing. He's 100% what he's doing. But I 100% think that he knew when he was saying i'm insane i can do this even his def- his defense attorney poor uh, the poor guy i don't i don't know it, it really I mean, honestly but, like amazes me it takes to be a criminal first defense. of all when the when the yeah the criminal defense attorney he, he forgot to even ask if it was even a thing to be criminally insane like oh i forgot to ask oh is he insane enough to like didn't right. get, out, get out of the death penalty like no First of all, no. And second, like, right. What? What? Why is that not your first thought? If that's going right. to be your whole defense, is he's insane? He's insane. He doesn't know what he's doing. And look at how bad his life is. Yeah, his life sucked. It was not great. Yeah. Yes, it could have been better. Nature versus nurture. But there are plenty. Of there people, are plenty of things that have happened. There are plenty look at of Kim. people. Kim yeah. is a perfect example. Come on. She had a very similar upbringing, and she ended up fostering children right. to help other people. So I don't give him, I don't, yeah. I don't no, give him and a There's pass. plenty of people that have tougher lives than what he went through and they didn't end up killing people. Right. Um, that's never an excuse. Just because your life sucked doesn't mean you get to ruin and end other people's lives. Right. I mean, so children are growing up without parents. Right. Exactly. You know, you, you, how dare you, your ego was besmirched and you felt as though because they're happy and you're not happy. They don't deserve to be happy any right. longer. Yeah. Um, so, like we said, he was caught pretty quick. You know, the mm-hmm. girls pretty much quickly um, in a in a in a lineup. But in true Ted Bundy style. Right. In a lineup. Real yeah. quick before we get to that, in a lineup, all three girls easily identified him. Oh yeah, I mean, um, was, but right. Um, but then on Tuesday. Uh, July 6, 1999, so this is a couple years after his arrest, while he's awaiting trial. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, July 6, 1999, uh, Jerry escaped mm-hmm. from the police from his jail cell with about nine, I think it was like nine other inmates, apparently. 
Um, I remember seeing something like that. Multiple other inmates. It didn't really matter. They were all found. They were found pretty... like five men and four women. Or yeah, something like, like that. Know, yeah. seven or nine. I don't really care. I really didn't care enough about it. I just... The fact that he was able to escape, like... Yeah. Should also go back to, like, the IQ thing. Yeah. Normal people don't escape from prison. Right. I'm, I, te- I called him Ted Bundy for a reason. Ted Bundy was extremely smart. Yeah. And he was cunning and can get away with what he wanted to get right. away with. Mr. Rodent Man... I I think while he scored technically lower average, I think that that's a fluke. First of all, IQ, I have an issue with that test anyway because you could take that test seven times in a row and get a different number every single time. But and it depends too on like who's giving the test and what type of test and what questions they happen to give you this time. It's not it's not a really reliable test, but he obviously can get away with the crap. Um, and he was able to escape from prison. I don't really care about the rest of them because whatever, but. Um, while he was gone is what it's interesting is right. that they found 75 different homemade weapons. 75 in his jail cell. 75. 75. Yeah. 75. And guess where he got them from? He got them from taking apart uh, fire alarms and unscrewing wire cages. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's definitely somebody who has a low IQ. Because he could just. Right, right. They, okay, so that goes like back I, to the like argument. I, listen, I'm, first of all, I'm not the smartest guy in the listen, world. Listen, and learning disabilities does not mean, you know, it can mean dyslexia. Right. I mean, it, there's a lot of different things with learning dis, you know. So when there's I a learning, big umbrella for what right, learning so disability can going, mean. Yeah, but for a school for learning disabilities, especially in the 70s and 80s, usually meant people, like, either very low in the autism spectrum or people that were... Um, that had like trisomy twenty three or like Down syndrome, right. um, or had ADHD, or ADHD issues. that yeah. could not sit in school. Right. I have no doubt in my mind had he had been in a normalized school, he would have been able to maybe even get away with this, is because he would have had right. the ability to get more contacts right. to be able to do things that he shouldn't have been able to do. So I guess it's a double edged sword because I think that having went to the school that he went to, and we don't know how long he was there or if he was there through high school. We don't know. Um, because yeah. a lot of a lot of this case, the reason we don't know a whole lot about it is because he was at some point a ward of the state, as were some of the children involved in this case. So we'll never know because their stuff is so protected. Right. Um, and then there's a lot that even the kids won't be able to talk yeah. about even to this day. So um I think things can have been handled a lot yeah. differently. Um, police reports also talked about how he often threatened to kill guards mm-hmm. and other inmates. Um, and uh, once he uh, was quick, quickly returned to the prison where he belonged, yes. um, he was reported to have saying that he was the catcher of souls yep. and that he wasn't finished collecting. So. He thought he could get away with it. Yeah. And he thought that he could continue getting away with it. And he thought that he had gotten away with it. Right. And, um, so that was on July 6th. On August 27th, it was when they just said, okay, well, the jury will be selected now. Right. Um, um, yeah. And then by September 4th. So how many days is that in between? I'm not good with numbers, but not many days. A week. <laughs> wow. Babe. I don't know. How many days are in August? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know off the top of my head how many days are in August. 30 days past September, April, May, and November. We're cutting that out. No, I'm not. I'm leaving that in. Oh, my God. Why? Because you don't know how many days are in August. I don't know. My brain, I'm not thinking about that right now. A week. It was a week. That's why I put it in there like that. Okay.
okay, now I know, guys, that when I make notes for my lovely husband, I must put one week later, like a SpongeBob freaking <laughs> slide. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> as you were saying, a week later, on September 4th, after only two hours of deliberation. I'm not going to get over that. I'm sorry. Oh my god. You've known this, how bad I am. Yes, but not like this. Oh I know you're bad at math, but my sweet love. <laughs> Can I continue? Yeah, yes, okay. Can I continue? Okay. After two hours of deliberation... They decided that they were going to sentence Scotty to death. Yes. So now I get to get into my fun part. Wow. There's a stink bug in here, guys. And it keeps flying towards us. And we both keep jumping. And I can't get it out. We live in the middle of the boondocks, pretty much. So little creatures get in all the time. And they're awful. Okay. So. My my favorite part. Yes. (laughs) She has literally just been... Chomping at the bit uh-huh. um, to talk it's about this. It's very close and near and dear to my heart. Yes. Okay. Borderline personality disorder. Okay. Um, James Mayish or Mayish, um, he was the forensic psychologist on this case, um, and he was studying Scotty, and he says that he had a severe case of BPD or borderline personality disorder. And he displayed eight of the nine criteria for BPD, um, and that included suicidal attempts, outbursts of extreme anger, and frantic efforts to avoid real or imaginary abandonment. So, I have a family member who is uh, who was recently diagnosed with uh, BPD. It is extremely hard to understand um, how what they deal with on a daily basis, what it what it's like to live with somebody with BPD. Anyway, so, like, I have somebody really close that has this disorder. So, I grew up watching this scenario unfold. Um, This is something that, when I start to explain it, does sound a lot like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And a lot of times it's misdiagnosed. And for the most part, females are diagnosed with it. Only, it's a sick... It says only 2% of adults are even affected with BPD, and 75% of the 2% is women. Yeah. Because men just aren't diagnosed with that. They're typically diagnosed with, like I said, bipolar disorder and um, schizophrenia. So those are emotional regulation disorders as well, but the reason it's different is BPD is so severe mm-hmm. and so... They were people with BPD require so much more attention and quote unquote upkeep of their mental health. They um, one statistic says that people with BPD account for twenty percent of the mental health hospitalizations per year. Twenty percent for just one disorder, and they make up the minority of disorders um, or part of the minority of disorders. It's really, really you know interesting. I also know not just my family member, but I was close to a family that had somebody with BPD, uh, BPD in their family. It, it's not unique. Yeah. When somebody has BPD, it is so hard right. to explain how hard their life is for them, which doesn't give him an excuse. Right. But part of BPD is they most times are extremely manipulative mm-hmm. and are 
very smart and are very cunning and can get their way and they lie. And um, one of the things that people with BPD sometimes suffer from is like kleptomania. So you look at uh, you look at Scotty in his life. He does steal. He steals four wheelers. He steals a van. He steals whatever for no reason right. other than just to do it. Just right? to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, that isn't even necessarily, I mean, he was never diagnosed with kleptomania, but that's an intention thing. So when people with this disorder go through the life that he has, he's going to do everything he can to get more attention, to get something else. You go back to self-harm. Um, the self-harm wasn't, in most cases, is usually a cry for attention, and we always hear that. But with people with BPD, it's an attention on what's going to be worse. Right. If I can, if I hurt myself, if I scratch myself, oh, I got that attention, okay, I'm going to do it again. Right. Okay, I'm going to do it again. Um, and we don't know that for sure in his case, but I'm just, as a generalization, that seems to be the ever-going theme. Yeah. Um, some of the other things that kind of are part of the criteria boxes for BPD, um, they really, 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 really avoid real or imagined abandonment. I mean, he was in two different foster care homes by 11 right. when he knew his mom. And the, knowing the reason that he was in foster care is because she couldn't take care of him yeah. after a major surgery. Right. So that abandonment, good nature versus nurture, you could argue either way. Um, most cases of BPD are more um, nature, na- uh, I'm sorry, nurture, and nature brings it on. So... You will have the genes, for so to say, or things that can kind of go in the line um, that can make a perfect BPD person just by, you know, the, their genetics and people in their family who have it. Um, and then never show symptoms. Mm-hmm. When you add a little bit of that nature into it, though, it's just it's just like setting, you know, flame, you know, to a to gasoline and just right. adding gasoline to the food and just you can't you can't stop it at that point um so with the abandonment i think that really did push that part over the edge mm-hmm. you see extre- you know intense amounts of anger depression anxiety and it can last hours days um usually it's very impulsive either aggression self-injury again drug or alcohol abuse very, very common with the alcohol and drugs. Yeah. Uh, and self-injury. Self-injury can be as simple as, you know, the picking up the skin. Um, right. It could be his, or very extreme, like what we see, you know, with cutting or burning or um, anything like that. Um, really, anything with self-injury is just how do I get people to care for me? That's really the biggest question when it comes to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have distortions in thought and sense of self um, can lead frequent changes in long-term girl goes. They really kind of change what they want to do. So um, in my case with my family member, they went from wanting, they were going to be a cosmetologist to they were going to be a vet. They were going to be this. And, that, you know, they're young. So does that happen? Absolutely. But right. what it's a very extremeness where, you know, I can, as far back as I remember, knew I wanted to go into the medical field of some sort. So whether I change what I go into doesn't seem that big of a deal. I think most people do that. There's not really a huge jump. They might have two different interests than they do. Um, but they're big career plans, jobs, friendships. You see that a lot where you yeah. go from having one group of people that, you know, if you go into stereotypes, you might be friends with all the cheerleaders this year, and next year you're friends with all of the theater kids. And that's very different groups of people, um, and you would alienate the other. Yeah. Um, that's what they mean with friendships. Um, 
And then one thing about, you know, the distortion of thoughts that kind of goes back to the way he talked about the, mm-hmm. the as he, he thought of it as a dream. Yes. Like everything that went and down. And it very so. well could have been to him. To him, exactly. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he, like in his head, like he thought that that was a dream, but in reality it actually happened. Right. And identity. Um, part of that too, going even with the dream, is mm-hmm. maybe his identity at that point was the sad father that... How dare Jessica tell me no? I could have given her this great life, and right. she could have given me the child that I didn't have, right. um, or that I lost. Um, it could have been that that identity was I'm saving you from awful. You know, you don't know what was going on in his brain, but the identity very different than um, like split personality disorder or mm-hmm. things like that. It's the same general idea as if people don't switch personalities. It's just that I, that identity at that point, was he the grieving father or was he the upset, angsty teen? Or was he the, you know, most people can have those personalities all in one. Yeah. And people with BPD can only switch. They can't, they can't be all of the things. Mm. I can't, you know, they can't be more than one identity for themselves. Um, mo- you know, most people start to at some point see themselves as bad or unworthy um and then they feel empty or misunderstood and mistreated and they have no idea of who they are so when this tragedy happened with his stillborn or who what could have been his stillborn his identity changed right because he's not a dad of two anymore he's a dad of one and the one, you know, is also being raised by a stepdad. And there's a lot that's changed now. He's not allowed to see Jessica. So that all of that, all of that changing, he couldn't really process. Right. Uh, reoccurrent suicidal behavior. Apparently this was something that happened a lot. He's, he either threatened it or did attempt it. Yeah. Um, and he had, you know, paranoid thinking or dissociation, which goes back to dreamlike state you know my family member who has she says she dissociates all the time and i can see her do it mm-hmm. and she will it almost she can go on about her day normally but she's dissociated she's not there her brain's not there and where her brain goes we don't know as right. you know from a psychology standpoint there's not a real reason um a lot of it goes back to trauma a lot of people with bpd say that their symptoms were brought on by trauma a lot of them were sexual trauma mm-hmm. a lot of it was um neglect as a child um those very big young traumas are what kind of cause these things right and again they can only perceive good or bad so if they're in this bad situation like he was he has a stillborn he has you know he's not allowed to see jessica and you know he's not getting taken care of the way he thinks they should be taken care of and what if, you know, we don't know if him, we don't know this for sure, but what if Marie's like, well, I might stay with my husband or right. whatever it is. All he sees is bad. Right. You can't tell him that there's good because good does not exist anymore. Right. And when people with BPD, it's as soon as that switch flips and things are good again, it's all good. Yeah. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, now I can see the good in this situation. Right. And bad doesn't exist. So, you know, could he help it? That's the, I think it's the question of the hour. Right. You know, I, he's awful. He's, I right. can't believe he did that. And the people that I know with BPD, could they get angry and do this? 100%. Because right. this is something that they struggle with every day. And especially at this point in time, they didn't have the things in place to help people with this disorder. But 
they do have enough self-awareness to know enough right from wrong to not kill somebody and not sexually assault a 10-year-old. You know, right. that's that. those are unforgivable actions that regardless of your mental state at that time, he had enough whereabout about him yeah. to know that that wasn't okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is definitely a guy who was... Who, who knew what he was doing, but in his head, he thought it was the, the, the only way to do it. And so, to him, he felt like he was justified in that means. Right. But, you know, from our standpoint, we see that it was just somebody who didn't have the ability to think otherwise. Well, and the psychologist even, you know, the friend psychologist at the time even said that he's not insane. He was 100% there in that right. present in that moment and knew what was going on, disassociated or not dissociated does not mean you're not present and know what's going on. What right. it means is that you kind of have a haze. Like, you know, like when you feel really sleepy and you go right. to work anyway and you kind of go through the motions and, oh, how did I actually get here? But you know you drove the car. Right. You were capable of driving the car because you didn't wreck. Right. He was capable of stopping. He was capable of going home that night and going to bed and moving on with his life, and he chose mm-hmm. not to. He chose to hurt the family who wanted to help him. And, right. you know... Wrote it to man. I don't like him. He yeah. killed wonderful people and, you know, hurt a child that forever has to live with that. Right. And, you know, he is still alive. He's still on death row, guys. Yeah. As of January of this year, uh, he's still, uh, you know, they, they posted the current list of the uh, death row inmates and he was still on it. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, Which we know that's pretty well, you know that's yeah. pretty common with death row inmates. Right? Yeah. I mean, it takes a long time for stuff like that to happen. Um, but um, that is our case yeah. for this week. Um, it starts our Christmas themed. Because did we mention? We, this I realize this now, and the reason why we started off with this one was um, all this took place in the town of Santa Claus, or Georgia. Or all the streets were named after reindeer. The Daniels lived on Dasher Lane. Yeah. Um, so. And then one thing I didn't mention earlier, too, is this was my friend's birthday. She was born on this day. Yeah. Oh, you're right. That's yeah. right. I hey, remember Tess, that. happy birthday. Yeah. This is your birthday. Happy birthday. A gruesome <laughs> birthday. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's why we're kicking it off with this one. Um, at the start of December, because it took place in Santa Claus, yeah. Georgia. Um, New York, I mean, the month of Christmas. Yeah. Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Whatever you celebrate. But uh, that's our case for this episode. Um, we are real excited because we got a couple really good ones coming up. And let me know how you guys feel about, like, the psychology divulge. That's stuff that's interesting to me, is that, like, the case itself is always interesting and how they do it. What I really enjoy is the psychology side of it, so I would rather talk more about that than the rest. But that's why you and I work well together. I can sit here for hours and listen to her just talk about the psychology side of it, because it just, like... Her brain just goes, I can see it in her eyes, like her brain <laughs> well, just... Well, that's because you love me. Well, that's true. That that does, that but does help. But they don't love me yet. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, but it's just fun to listen to uh, from the side of it, because I come at it from the side of the uh, the detective-y mm-hmm. side, and like the, like the, I like to hear, it sounds and, awful. And then your side of it is what helps me figure out like, right. what do I think that they right. have. Like, like, this sounds awful. Like, I like reading the grizzly part and like all that stuff and, and learning about all that that went down and then she looks at it from the side of science right. and from the psychology side of it 
Um, so it just kind of works like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we are real excited because um, we the cases that we have coming up that we've been talking yeah. about are, are um, one of them being very prominent. I'm sure you guys will be um, well-versed in it when we uh, start talking mm-hmm. about it. And one that is very historical that I just, I had a, I had a dream about, therefore we're doing it. Oh, I don't know this one. Yeah, you do. Do I? Yeah, I talked about it. Okay. I have to, I'll, we'll talk about it, <laughs> off, we'll talk about it off the, off the podcast. As soon as I say it, you'll remember. Right, okay. But, uh, so yeah. Uh, okay, bye guys, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go, because we're tired. The baby is making me sick, so I'm really now. Yes. Everybody have a great week. Uh, and we will see you next time. Bye. Your arms are missing. I, I know. Uh, um, <laughs> Okay. What? Whatever. Red. <laughs> what? All information presented in this podcast will be cited in the show notes. Music for Case Close composed by Catastrophic Jones. Editing by Olivia McDonald. Case Close is produced by Sean and Olivia McDonald.